You're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo development, and everything in between. On today's episode of The Bounding Box, we're going to be talking to an all-star ArcGIS online team to get some insight into ArcGIS online, uh, kind of the way things work, and uh, talk to some fun people. So enjoy. First off, let's, let's just go around real quick and introduce you guys here. Let's start. So in my camera view, I got Russ, Paul, and Chris. Let's go start with Russ. Tell me what you do, Russ, who you are, what's your problem? I was hoping we were going to start, start like oldest to youngest or something like that. So we can just <laughs> like, all these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I see Paul, but there's a, there's a little gray coming in the side there, Paul. Oh, I've got, I've got, I, I'm all gray, buddy. I'm an old man. <laughs> it's in the beard. It's it's in the hair. Even even my chest hair is growing going gray. Oh, so is that me going first? <laughs> I'll go first. All right, uh, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Russ here speaking. If you are listening or watching, um, and uh, yeah, I'm a product engineer on the online team. I think I've been at Esri for like just over ten years ish, rounding, <laughs> and. Uh, with working on a bunch of different teams, but uh, on the online team, I'm primarily focused on the work on working with uh, the new Map Viewer and uh, a bunch of different features uh, within that app. And then on the side as well, uh, web styles, which could be you know 2D or 3D symbols, and then also uh, your 3D layers like you know uh, scene layers, multi patches, all that kind of great stuff. Elevation layers. So, nice. Yeah, that's some of the the short, quick. Uh, what does Russ do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul, tell me, tell me what you do. Now. What's your problem? Uh, well, I, I, I'm similar to Russ. I, I think I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years here. Uh, Russ and I actually started together back uh, when Collector for ArcGIS uh, was first uh, released. So uh, we used to both work on the apps team. But uh, in the ArcGIS Online team, uh, I work on a, a lot of things uh, scattered all over the place. So... Uh, anything to do with hosted feature services, um, hosted feature layer views, offline data synchronization, append. Um, and then I also work on the, the map viewer with Russ and Chris. Uh, my focus in there is primarily on pop-ups and smart forms. And then uh, on the side, uh, I'm part of our arcade steering committee, so I help uh, drive that language forward and figure out what we're going to build next there. Nice. Awesome. Chris, give me, give me a rundown, man. Uh, yeah, so I guess it's looking like I might be the oldest. Uh, I, I've been at Esri, I think it's uh, 17 years, but after 10 years, you kind of stop keeping count. Uh, the past eight of those years, I've been in the web space. Uh, prior to that, it was like a release and installation enterprise deployment. Um, and in that time uh, on the website, uh, helped out with uh, just ArcGIS Online grow to be what it is today. And that's kind of been a, a jack of all trades in a lot of ways. And, and of lately, that's been helping out and uh, coordinating and uh, working on projects in MapViewer. You know, that's that's something really kind of bridges a lot of teams and a lot of different roles and stuff. So it's really a, kind of the, the the focal point of a lot of work by a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, most of the time when I had like something weird going online, they're like, oh, I bet you Chris knows, man. Like, that guy knows what's up to everybody. <laughs> uh, safe, safe to say, Chris always knows what's going on. Uh, uh, what's that saying? You know, if you live long enough, you kind of see everything. 
like Russ is usually like the first person I, I bug if I have like an online question. And Russ gets tired of my crap and he's like, you know, you should go to ask Paul or email Chris or something <laughs> like that. Like, I got things to do. <laughs> really, when you say arcade, I'm just like, uh, talk to Paul. Just, as soon as I see that, I come across just like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that I know. Like, I go to Blame Christian Paul. for arcade questions right away. And like, he, Christian's like, you know what? I think Paul would have a better handle on this thing. In terms of what's going on I online somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I've ever had a, a better handle on things than Christian <laughs> in my entire life. Honestly, um, every so, time yeah, Christian so... puts out a blog, I get uh, I get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man's a machine, I'm telling you. So, all right. For the first off, let's go. What's uh? So, what's new in online over the past year? Say since uh, Dev Summit twenty twenty one, like. What's happened in online since things? I know a lot of things have gone in the past, like, well, we have four releases. Well, yeah, four releases now since then. Oof. Oh, wow. Like, where, uh, where is it? How much? And where do you want to start? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like in Map Viewer alone, it's been a. Uh, it's been a uh, new renderers like uh, above and below. I think that was kind of introduced around a, a year ago now, and then continually enhancing all sorts of different things from uh, 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 effects. You know, Russ, that was your area, uh, and and what else? I mean, just a million things, and that's in a, in a, the map viewer alone. Yeah, like new fonts in the map viewer, um, like some clustering enhancements there. With like their pop up and everything, and um, <laughs> so much. Uh, we got we got Bloom right. So lots of Bloom happening in the map viewer now. Oh yeah, the layer effects, which were like those like Photoshop like you know artsy effects that you could apply. On the initial release of that in September was the whole layer, and then we kind of uh, introduced a way for you to author like an expression. And we called it uh, feature effects. And so that way you could kind of like, yeah, like uh, bloom features that meet that meet this value. And then anything that doesn't meet this value, apply a grayscale to it. And so this is happening all on top of like what you've already rendered and styled your layer at. So it's pretty cool. And then blend modes are tossed in on top of that too and all work together. So nice. So I guess say that maybe we put uh, I think this past year was a ton of like visualization upgrades to the platform in general, right? Like an online, all these different ways you can do things, all the cool stuff that people were doing, like in uh, desktop, and then maybe busting out Illustrator for for their map gallery maps type of thing. You can get away with a lot of that online now, right? Like yeah, and that's and that's quite literally what all our cartographers say is like you know, hey, I used to do this in uh, Adobe, and now I can do it in the web. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it, it really comes down to that. I always yeah. trip on that. It's amazing the kind of stuff that we can do now. I mean, it's just it's very, very cool. And it's all like real time-ish. So it's not like you're applying these values and waiting for the page to refresh kind of thing. So it's not like, it's a, uh, was it IMAP or whatever we said? Arc IMS yeah. map images. <laughs> Pan the map, oh, wait, wait a minute, little, and then something comes back. IMS. <laughs> oh, man. So what yeah. were the, uh, have we gotten like feedback on pain points of people moving from like classic to like new map viewer? Like what are the things that we've tried to focus on there for those guys? Oh yeah, I guess, uh, I, I don't know. You could probably, all of us could talk about this for quite a while, <laughs> and, but it, it's a, it's a focus of what we talk about and, and for good reason, is it really kind of try to tries to bring, you know, all these really complex things that, you know, like Russ is talking about and literally everything else 
into a really easy user interface where it's kind of onboarding in a simple way while still providing kind of a, a progressive reveal of all the advanced tools you can easily dive into. Um, and as part of that, you know, what we've really seen a lot of is like uh, new users that come to the map viewer really kind of pick it up right away, but it's really a lot of the transition from existing users that use Map Viewer Classic and wrapping their head around new ways to do things. And maybe it's maybe it's a new way to do things that's better in the long run, but it still requires kind of unlearning and relearning, you know, new ways to do things. Yeah. So I think right now the only like major thing I think we don't have a new Map Viewer at this point is maybe the analysis tools, right? And like, I know that's being worked on right now. So they're, yep. they're coming eventually. Yeah, yeah. Like we brought, like that's one thing that I think we look at. Like every as we're working at each release, it's just like where are we parity wise plus new features, and handling that balance of you know bringing in new things and new capabilities plus like bringing in the parity across the board kind of thing. Which we get to, you know, like you said, like analysis. That's one that users are asking and coming. That's coming down the road soon. Yeah. So. All right, so other than what we've done, like that whole, your dog's like going nuts back there in the background. He's, he's like very upset. He can't get comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> like Bo is just like, oh, This is what yeah, people see every day. When <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you're here in real time with Russ in the meeting. <laughs> that's learned behavior from Russ, though. <laughs> and that's, that's how Russ is every time he's in the meeting, like, <laughs> Turn the camera off. And... <laughs> Child or dog. <laughs> I think also like one of the things about the bringing people over and across, um, we do have, because this has come up on GeoNet uh, a couple times this week, we do have a compatibility matrix in our documentation between Classic and the, the new viewer. And then also, your one and only checks GeoNet daily to see what are people's pain points and, you know, raising it up to the table. <laughs> so that, that, is, that is a good point. Because I get asked this sometimes and like people are like always wondering, like, do does do the devs, the people that actually work in this stuff actually pay attention to GeoNet or is it just like going through like someone else or something like that, right? And I, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people, a lot of the people that are working on things are on, well, it's not GeoNet no more, right? See, Esri community. Uh, they're on there. The people are watching this stuff, you know, pay attention to what's going on over there. Yeah. We might not always respond at times, but we are watching and bringing up the some of the posts and discussions and the ideas and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's like no guarantee that uh, you can fix your issue right off the bat or respond, like you said, but uh, paying attention for sure. Yeah. So if people ask yeah. about that, we can definitely say that. So is there... Anything I guess we can say about what's coming up in online that uh, for say Dev Summit time frame that wouldn't spoil Dev Summit in any way. I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but it might come out before Dev Summit. So I don't want to ruin too much there. But if there's anything we can throw out there that people can look forward to, yeah, I think I think there's a few things. I think like we just sent out the what's coming marketing blast or email blast for uh, the upcoming release, and there's going to be stuff like a, a really a really big one. And a critical parity feature is uh, copying and saving to layer. Uh, that'll uh, be in place for the next release, and that'll be a big one knockoff uh, and really help a lot of folks move over from classic. Because uh, right now, that's a that's a deal breaker. You can't do it in Map Viewer, so it'll be really sweet to see that one. Um, I was just gonna say, someone just not for, not asked for me that. Summit, are... <laughs> Oops. 
Has somebody just asked you that, Renee? They just asked me that. They wanted to. They, they, were, they were like, "Oh, like, why can't I save my layer from the damn map? Like, I can add it and save my web map. But I want that layer. I want. I need an item." I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> using it. It's, it's it's great. It's uh, you know, I rightfully understand the frustration. Yeah, sorry, I don't know Paul. if I'm allowed to talk about any of my stuff. I'll, I'll Tom Holland it and like spoil too many things, so I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't know that I have any big, uh, really exciting ones for for Dev Summit, my uh, like in in my wheelhouse. But I I'll, I will say we've been doing a ton of work to reimagine the arcade script editor, and that's not going to come out in March Dev Summit, but will will come out later on this year. But uh, I think that'll be a really exciting, huge step forward. Um, we're building it like a modern web IDE. So it's going to have, you know, IntelliSense, improved debugging, really nice syntax highlighting, formatting. Um, so it's a, it's a really exciting project. Uh, it's been underway for a while. It's taken us a little bit longer to teach, uh, to teach our IDE how to understand Arcade, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's getting, getting towards the finish line. So speaking of Arcade, Paul, like arcades have been a big thing in uh, our platform for a while, right? Like that's like a super powerful tool people can use. You want to talk a little bit about arcade, like what it is and why it's a important tool for our users? Yeah, I, it's it's been interesting. I, I've I've had the the fortunate benefit, I think, of being on that project from the beginning, and it kind of started out with this kind of vision of like little like one line Excel like expressions to kind of just do like a little bit of data manipulation, um, and we've really seen it grow uh, as kind of a cross platform expression language to do just really sophisticated things, and the language has evolved over the past couple of years. Um, you know, you take a you take an app like Dashboard, who um, you can use Arcade to define custom data sources. So you can pull you know multiple data sets together into you know and join them on the fly and build this new data. And we, like we often say on the team, Arcade is a way to take existing data and make new data out of it. And that's that's really powerful, especially when you add in the the spatial component and the spatial awareness that's that's built into the language. So. I, it's been a really fun project to be a part of. Uh, it's nowhere near complete, uh, and it uh, it's it's been really neat to see it get picked up in all of these different areas across ArcGIS Online. And then, um, you know, we put this out there because we think it's useful and we listen to users. But it's really, I for me and the team, I think it's really exciting to to hear that feedback come back in from users. And so we recently we recently released. Um, arcade elements and pop-ups that allow you to use a single arcade expression to define a chart or a list of fields or dynamically build HTML in the pop-up. And I, it's been a long time since I've heard that much feedback from users uh, using something that complicated and being successful. So it was really cool to see <laughs> and cool for the team to, to get all these use cases back of of really, really awesome success stories and doing really interesting things. Um, and even internally, we've got teams that are doing, uh, making really sophisticated pop-ups all of a sudden. They're using Arcade to look at a data model and dynamically build calendars inside of HTML. And so it, like for like garbage pickup, they'll look at the data, they'll highlight the current date, look at your next garbage pickup based on the zone you clicked in and like really rich, engaging pop-ups. And it's, it's super cool to see. Oh man, that is nuts! I haven't seen that. That is very cool. <laughs> yeah. 
And like the Living Atlas team, I think you'll see uh, you'll see some uh, over the next six six to twelve months probably some some really uh, really rich pop-ups get upgraded uh, in in their data sets too. I know they've been lashing onto that and uh, looking at ways to improve their pop-ups. So, oh, that's nice. That those are some folks I need to get a hold of too because yeah, they need some really cool stuff on the Living Atlas set. I think a lot not a lot of our users. Day to day users actually may even know we have all that living atlas stuff, right? Like, it seems like it's very niche sometimes for people to get into it, but yeah, some awesome things out there. All right, so my my next question here, because we do so many releases, we're on a quarterly release basis, right? What is the challenge of every release? So you know, the the challenges are kind of with a balance that kind of frame how often you will want to do a release, and you know, a lot of organizations do like continuous releases and stuff like that. We do quarter releases. So there's a significant buildup and process involved to get to a release that is starting earlier and earlier. So it's like two months out, you're already starting to, to do things like the, the you know, uh, whether it's other teams of the company, messaging key uh, stakeholders and things like that. But there's really just this huge productization over the last two months before a release, uh, which means that it's not a lot of dev time. It's not a lot of time for a lot of things like that. So it, it, it's quite a buildup for a release. And so that's really the challenge is in a lot of capacities and and then also maintaining multiple uh, projects and products that span releases so it ends up being that you know you're tossing more on your plate through these buildups uh so a lot a lot of folks want to release less a lot of folks want to release more you know and uh, everyone has their pros and cons on on which way and uh, the challenges are the same but maybe they shift around a little bit on which which option we go with or you know how <laughs> Working midnight on the East Coast? <laughs> <laughs> That's Ross's fault. <laughs> Builds character on the release week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess for as long as I can remember, even before I joined Esri, it's always been you know, four rele quarter releases and stuff, which which can be, like you said, I mean, it can be stressful trying to get that done on a regular schedule like that instead of, uh, you know, I, I've seen some people say, you no, know, it's done when it's done. But, uh, I mean, that doesn't really fly when you got customers waiting for, for things to come out and stuff like that, right? So, yeah, it's pretty I, I amazing. That's the, that's the hardest part, I think, is, is, uh, when, when, when something that you, you know is going to be really meaningful and useful to customers and it just doesn't quite make it. And it's so <laughs> close. Um, but like they, you know, it's, it's a big, like intertwined set of set of products and software and it's it like we we've got to make we've got to make hard lines and say and like if you don't have it done by then it's it's not it's not coming it's next release and <laughs> i i personally i personally hate missing missing a release on on a feature that i'm really passionate about and uh and the team is and uh, i know that customers are asking for it so i hate waiting and i hate i hate i hate missing a release yeah it's tough Sorry. So I, I think this next one I had here, Paul said no one knows anything about webhooks. So I think we just go and, uh, we just say webhooks or something in the platform. Uh, I'll find I'll find I'll find someone that knows what a webhook is. We can figure. I it think out. I like my my basic understanding of webhooks is basically like I, I imagine the car scenario, right? Like when you're like it's like that that old school sitcom, right? When you're driving somewhere and the kids are in the back back seat and being like they're just constantly asking, "Are you there yet? Are you there? Are we there yet?" And like. <laughs> That's like that's the old chatty way of like doing things, right? Like the webhook is like dad or mom turning around and saying, "I'll tell you when we're there," and, <laughs> and then like everybody in the back seat, like 
is quiet and they just wait to be told that like something's ready, right? Like that's 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 my conceptual model of webhooks, but I don't know anything past that. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we were talking about this internally and I, I, uh, this morning, Paul, or whenever I suggested maybe webhooks in this case. And uh, <laughs> I, I forgot, I forgot this is the case and that, you know, webhooks are supported in enterprise for the sharing API, but in online, they're only supported on hosted feature services. That's right. I've, I've seen that come up before. It, I mean, I don't know about parity or whatever, but I guess that's just the, the way it is, right? Like, Yeah, I, I think in the enterprise case, you can do more within your own infrastructure to set up webhooks accordingly and things like that. And online, there's a lot more challenging pieces uh, in a hosted environment for us to consider. I think that goes the same like kind of like security type questions we get. Like, why can't I put my app on ArcGIS.com in my, in my org or whatever? Like, well, we can't give you a domain level access with your code. To anything for sorry. <laughs> the amount of time uh, Paul Paul knows this one. It's it's part it's one of his babies. The amount of time we spend talking about which HTML tag should be supported in custom pop-ups and things like that. <laughs> <is important. laughs> yeah, yeah we, it, it's really it's really a tough one to understand for customers. And I like I totally get it. Like I, I mean every every year at Dev Summit and UC, I've got somebody coming up to me and saying, like, here's what I want to do, and I'm using it responsibly. Uh, and it's really hard to tell the user that, like, not everybody might use that responsibly. Exactly. Because keep, of that, you may not know what that tag it. can do. You know, even though if you use it, you may yeah. not know what you're exposing out there, kind of a thing. And we we've gotten bit by that in the API too. Like, we do sanitization of the HTML tags and everything. And yeah, like people are like, well, why did you do that? Like, well, we're sorry, but you know, we got we got certain things we gotta do. <laughs> Yeah, no question. And and that's an area that we continue to try and expand on though. Like we we recognize that users uh want a lot more uh HTML options uh when it comes to pop-ups or items and things like that. And so we we do have a, a lot of projects ongoing to look at additional tags that people have requested, as well as expanding some of our client side CSS uh sanitization so that we can at least support CSS, CSS and inline styles in a richer way uh, with less restrictions. So it's an area we definitely want to expand. But yeah, security in a hosted environment, like we, you know, it's it's a little bit different in your own infrastructure where you know the rules and you can control the sandbox. But uh, yeah, in a broad cloud public facing in infrastructure, um, we are accountable <laughs> as a company and we, we need to make sure that we're we're preventing bad actors from causing problems for our customers, and uh, it's I, I get that sometimes that's a little frustrating, but it, it's still important. I uh, you brought up like an I like I like people can do with items and descriptions and stuff like that, and I have seen uh, uh, before I joined Esri, uh, colleagues putting like JSON configurations into their descriptions of their web map items that get loaded into their apps and used and stuff for doing some pretty interesting things so i mean there's things you can do if you really need to get something done for your scenario you'll figure it out at some point or another but like the, the stuff that we uh you know we can't just say go willy-nilly you know but we'll we'll get you get you somehow <laughs> yeah all right so my, my my other question i had here is um talking about users and stuff right we have a, we have a whole we have a whole suite of like experienced users been using our stuff for years, decades even, right? So how do we um, help bridge the gap for those users versus like new users coming on board, students, stuff like that, that might want to use online? Like how are we helping them out um, to get 
into it, right? To get started in online. Do you think there's anything specific we do there or byproducts of stuff that we do? Uh, uh sure, yeah. I think uh, there's there's kind of uh there's initiatives on several levels, and that's first, you know, from the development side is to always be mindful of the onboarding uh, for MapUR itself. And, you know, we, we try to have like light touches, but that are still meaningful without getting intrusive in your way. And especially as you become more familiar with things, it has not a lot of uh, helper guidance along the way. Uh, to help guide things like that is like, you know, uh, we have a pretty broad outreach from our uh, our product management team where they will you know reach out to a lot of users they're constantly gathering a ton of feedback that we use to incorporate into you know our, our processes internally and and that includes you know really a lot of users that aren't familiar with the new map viewer whether that's coming in from like an adoption perspective of the organization that use classic and whether deal breakers or if it's kind of new users that are coming on board and they they want to use some of the latest capabilities that using the new map viewer affords them versus what was in classic or the 3x api so it really ends up being kind of a lot of these things that come together. And so, you know, a lot of times whenever we get feedback that like you're not doing enough to make this kind of map viewer, and not, you know, a popular one is maybe not enough to make a simple map viewer. You know, it's really kind of the synthesis of feedback that really comes to produce the, you know, the experience we want. Nice. I think another area that's overlooked a lot in that space too is we, uh, we've got a whole team that, that looks at uh, our website Learn RTIS, which um, isn't like part of the core product, but it is super awesome in my opinion. Um, it's really a whole website that's designed around learn, learning by doing, and it, it takes different parts of ArcGIS and walks you through doing something meaningful through a, a practical example. Um, and you can find just about anything there, um, whether you want to do like corridor analysis or use figure out how to use Arcade to make a kick-ass pop-up um and it's it's a resource that i think is still people are discovering but it's incredibly useful for both like beginners and experts to figure out how to kind of explore and discover new areas yeah and, and not to mention actually really be remiss of not to mention uh all the blogs you know every release yeah. has a dozen blogs that literally every workflow that's available on map you are introduced you can start from any point and walk through it along with a blog post yeah that's yeah. right I forgot about that yeah, yeah I, know I get those emails uh, when they start leading up to it about, oh, you guys getting ready for your blogs or, you know, whatever you've got, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> there was like uh, someone asked on GeoNet that I saw about the, like, the arcade and the chart element kind of question, I think, earlier in the week. And I was like, hey, Paul, do you know, like, what about this? Like, if there's a resource, he's like, I actually wrote a blog on that one when we released it out. I was just like, boom, here you go, answered question. Like, it's... check out the blogs. <laughs> There's a lot there. I know it's a big, it's like a, a hose of information at times, but. <laughs> but you, you really see that users do uh, read them and use them just because uh, we get emails about blogs four or five or six years old that the oh, link wow. went dead. There was some migration <laughs> issue. And like, hey, where, where is this information at? I had a bookmark and I still look at it all the time. Yeah, that's something. <laughs> well, it's good to know. Yeah, like I said, it's good to know that people are using it, they're reading it, and they keep it there for reference, right? I mean, that's what they're there for. That's awesome that they're yeah. using it. All right, Jess, on to the important question here. Right, what are your favorite games to play outside of work? Or during work? I'm not judging. I, I think I know Paul's answer, but I'll wait, oh, wait yeah? for some others. <laughs> Why well, not? I'm not sure if Paul's well, I... still playing it or not. So, uh, Are you talking about Diablo 3? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're still no, on the Diablo I... 3 train. 
No, I, I got my I got my fix. I came back to it like uh, a while ago and kind of binge binge played it. Um, it honestly, like I, it, it's gonna sound a little lame, but I I play whatever games my kids are playing uh, that we <laughs> we can play together. So um, sometimes I, I guess the recent one we just bought was the uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. So they've been they've been going through that and playing the remake for the first time. Uh, it's it's a little different than the original, but it was it was still pretty nostalgic. Uh, so yeah, my kids uh, they're they're pretty nerdy. They're they're kind of RPG style uh, kids. That's um, fun. So you, you need them to sit down with Jan and let him <laughs> spin his web of Final Fantasy. Like I'm pretty sure he yeah. he could <laughs> yeah he owns anything Final <laughs> Fantasy related. It was so bad because he, he played been the going first everyone. <laughs> he played like the first version of the remake on the PS4, and then they released the upgraded version for PS5. He was like, Oh, I'm gonna have to play it again, but I'm gonna have to move it to the end of my list. I've got other stuff to play. <laughs> yeah, and we did the uh, what is it? Baldur's Gate 3 was like a, a like a D&D remake, it's still in early access, but uh, the kids went through and played, played a bunch of the early access preview there, and we we kind of all took turns, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm super flexible. Uh, whatever they're playing, uh, and we can play together. We we try and play. So, very cool. Yeah, I, I I'm not playing Diablo three. I've got to stay away from Diablo three. If I if I even just start a Diablo three, it's over. Like I'm in there for like the first three days of just like grinding, and then like two three hours a day after that because yeah, I can't do it. I'm gonna get hooked, and it's <laughs> Did- over. At that point, did you sign up for the uh, the new mobile one? What is it, Diablo Immortal? I did, but I didn't get an invite or anything yet, so I'm, I'm waiting. Oh, so I got I got it. I got the invite on the beta, and I I couldn't get into it. It was just uh, I don't know. I like it was it was, it just felt different on the phone. I don't like gaming on the phone, so I mean, if I have Diablo on my phone, then I'm just I'm not going to do anything <laughs> at that point. They would never do another podcast. Push notifications <laughs> yeah. alone are going to get me going. Like, oh, that's it. I'm done. So the Russ, Chris, you guys play games at all, or you just uh, enjoy yourselves in some other way? I can say my like pandemic playing that I've done. So I feel like I was one of the few Stadia players that were around. <laughs> Russ went hardcore, man. Russ was like, I have dedicated to Google on this one. They're going yeah, all the I way. I went in, I jumped in, I came around. I had to. I've, 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 I've uh, jumped ship, and uh, now I'm giving Xbox's uh, cloud gaming a spin now, and I'm going through the entire Gears of War series. Oh, that's fun. So that's like, it's... Is that part of the Game Pass thing they have? Yeah. Yeah, the Ultimate Game Pass I'm thing. so tempted it's, for that. And actually, like, quality-wise, it's, it's great. Oh, man. I just might have to do that. I've been so... Now that, now that Microsoft has acquired like every gaming company, I'm like, everything's going to be on there as Game Pass now. So I'm just like, oh. I've been Sony hardcore for the past few uh, releases of uh, games, but man, I don't know. I'm going to have to do it. If I could get a PlayStation, you know, <laughs> I would. But uh, what, what age I'm, I'm waiting for my Steam Deck. <laughs> yeah. Uh... uh I, do you I play change. games or you just make pizza? Who does that apply to? Russ or me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I just chase kids anymore. Like I used to be uh, play DOTA pretty religiously, and I can oh. tell you, like you know, talk nonstop about which hero and which build and who could get away with being a carry and who can't and stuff. And uh, I miss it. And maybe one day, once kids are old enough to start resuming that, or my time or energy is is back. But I miss it. <laughs> so I live vicariously through what you guys are describing. That's definitely a hardcore <laughs> community for sure. This is one of the first shows the tattoos that he has of like I, you, know, you know, I never knew anybody like in real life that played DOTA. I mean it's a it's a big community or whatever else. Until Nathan on the Warlock team, he showed up with a DOTA champions jacket at work one day. I was like, Yes. <laughs> oh man. So you, you do pizza too, Chris? Are you a pizza constant connoisseur? Yeah, yeah. Russ is like my pizza mentor guru. Like he's guided me through the pizza buying process. I got like the pizza queue, like the cheaper pizza oven, like uh, six or seven years ago, and like have progressed now to got a uh, proud odor of a Gosney dome. Oh wow! Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. I uh, I use my uh, web tech skills to unravel how they were doing their little lottery system on their pre-release day and got got to the front of the line and was able to snag one uh, <laughs> well, actually everybody is able to snag one but snag one that gets delivered <laughs> that's nice wow yeah i know russ is always talking about pizza stuff i'm like damn it russ make me hungry man like it's just nuts I, you know i i I've, I've done cooks about like once a week at least since we've got in it. it's been like august and stuff and i still haven't gotten close to what russ is able to accomplish so like every time <laughs> it's just like i want to throw down my peel and like you know damn it and walk away <laughs> I mean, it comes with time. <laughs> if Russ would stop watching bad TV shows and just you know get to giving me some pizza advice, maybe I can yeah. get some pizza here. I just need to keep hate watching shows. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, every time I talk to Russ, it's like, oh, I'm watching Umbrella Academy. And then like a day later, oh, this is horrible. I'm gonna keep finishing. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop. <laughs> Well, we we were catching up on on coffee today, or like the the Matthew team, and like Russ was rattling off TV shows. Like I haven't heard of a single one that Russ was watching. <laughs> Just like too old, I guess. But I'm in that great range of kids of like one that's still a baby, and then like the toddler. So like, there's like a I still have some windows of like easy kid when I can watch a show, and then you know. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Mine, mine just disappeared in the basement. The basement <laughs> is their zone. Well, I mean, heck, that's, that, those are all the, the questions I had for you gentlemen. If anybody's got anything they want to add. No, no, that's cool. I, I don't know. I'm not that interested, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, before before I, I stop this uh, recording, just thank you gentlemen for being on for this first uh, premiere edition of The Bounding Box. We'll get this out there as soon as I can. Thank you for listening to The Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.